Hello, welcome to another Pharmacy and Practice uh, podcast. Scottish flavour today, um, we have, we're very lucky to have um, Director of Operations, hopefully I've got your title right, um, yep. of Community Pharmacy Scotland. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi uh, Jonathan, yep. Hi everyone, my name is Matt Barclay, I'm the Director of Operations at Community Pharmacy Scotland. I've been with CPS for just under nine years and I'm, I'm a pharmacist by profession as well. Very good. Um, and you are possibly amongst the busiest folk in pharmacy at the minute with everything going on in Scotland. We've got, uh, mm -hmm. there's so much to talk about today. We've got like primary care inquiry, medicine supply and demand, pharmacy first. Um, mm -hmm. It's all happening. But I did want to start with a very important uh, question. Um, Harry McQuillan is clearly uh, planning his exit strategy from Community Pharmacy Scotland and it's it's his entrepreneurial streak is coming through on the tablet front. So what's your <laughs> what's your equivalent, Matt? <laughs> yeah, Harry is renowned in Scottish pharmacy circles for his tablet and rightly so. My kids love it when I get my uh, Christmas tablet supply from Harry. Um, I don't know. I, I've not really got an equivalent. Uh, Jonathan, but I'll, I'll just say I'm a bit younger than Harry, so I've still got time to start developing that, and he'll kill, he'll kill me for saying that. <laughs> well, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's he's a very effective entrepreneur. I mean, he's never off my Twitter feed with his photos of lovely-looking talent. Yeah, I'll, I mean, he made, he made one that was, um, you know, what was it, an after-eight mint cake the other week as well, and I have to say that was that was very good as well. I, I, do, I do enjoy um, that those bonuses that come through the door when Harry's been baking. He's diversifying. Anyway, on that yes. uh, on that bombshell, I mean that's the important stuff out of the way. Um I don't really know where to start to be honest with this conversation because there's so much happening. I think mm -hmm. first thing I need to say or I wanted to say was um and it comes in addition to the um to the article that i just i recently wrote um about some of the activity around pharmacy first particularly i mean i think um you know it's no exaggeration to say that community pharmacy scotland um are playing an absolute blinder with us with this pharmacy first particularly the messaging around it um i have been it's so encouraging when you when you switch on the computer and see those photos coming through on twitter around um the attendance at your your engagement events yeah. so how have they been going so far what what insights have come out of the events face to face uh, matt yeah well as, as you see jonathan i think we're uh, we've been um you know pleasantly surprised i think as well in terms of the the numbers that we're getting through i think it shows a real uh, enthusiasm with the pharmacy network a real hunger to, to learn about the the nhs pharmacy first service and and what it can do and i think what we're learning as we go through when we talk about the the why we're doing it we talk about the kind of bigger picture and then we talk about about how we're going to do it nobody seems to be saying you know this is absolutely crazy guys you know everybody seems to be coming up with very relevant questions and very um you know uh, positive um vibes you know at the end of these events that I've, I've been fortunate enough to have been along to three so far um and 
you know, they've been, as you say, very well attended and, um, you know, a mixture of, um, you know, contractor owners, farm, pharmacy employees, pharmacy team members, you know, uh, uh, one or two, we've even had some of the wider uh, health and social care teams, you know, we've had, you know, for example, Lanarkshire, a nurse uh, who was there to look at and see how she could look at the service and think about referral pathways in and out. So, and we've had a number of the, the managed service um coming along and supporting events locally, which is, is hugely important as well. So that they can get a, an idea of the message we're giving and, and how, you know, people in, you know, health boards and health and social care partnerships can support. And it's, it, it feels like, um, it, it feels like, you know, we're, we're on the start of a journey with Pharmacy First, but we're, we're hopefully going to start it in, in the right place. And then we've got our colleagues at Ness, obviously coming along with a bit more of the, the even the further detail below that. So if people want to go to these events and, and chat around the how and how it might work in their pharmacy. And, you know, we're, we're setting these challenges through our roadshows, but, you know, some of the next evenings and some of the next events might help crystallise that as well for the guys uh, out there. So, yeah, very exciting time. And, um, yeah, it looks as if, um, you know, it's all systems go in terms of, the, the you know, the pharmacy network in terms of how they're, they're looking at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to just to set the scene, because a lot of the like, thankfully, the podcast is 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 quite popular now, and a lot of there's a lot of listeners from outside Scotland, and that that was one of the reasons I wanted to get you on because I personally think it's really important to you know basically to to big up what we're doing in Scotland because uh, you know what you guys are doing is I don't I don't think what you said um, the other day. At, at Parliament was an exaggeration. You know, it is a world-class community pharmacy network, and um, the level of engagement is phenomenal. I think that. I mean, I, again, I can say things that others can't because I'm I'm independent. I'm <laughs> argue, arguably outside the system now, um, but I think it's the level of trust that you've cultivated in the network. When I say you, I mean obviously, obviously you're a big part of it, Matt. But more, more <laughs> thanks, um, thanks. More, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all down to you. But yeah, like uh, Community Pharmacy Scotland, and you know, it it seems to me looking in that you know when you when you say you're going to do something, you don't raise expectations unnecessarily, and you you do what you say you're going to do, and that's that's really important. What what is Pharmacy First? Um. Well, NHS Pharmacy First, as as we're calling it at the minute, and I think it's likely to be called that. It's it's really what it says in, in the thing, Jonathan, in terms of what we've got at the minute, and we can talk about now is is we've got a, an NHS minor ailment service across the board in, in Scotland. Now, um, we have that's been a hugely successful service in many ways. Um, you know, we've done um, research along. You know. Independent research along with the two schools of pharmacy in, in Scotland, and there's been other uh, studies I can refer to Mags Watson, you know, study around the, the minor study around cost effectiveness. But we know from our research that patients love the service, they value the service, they value the input of the the pharmacy team and the pharmacist around the minor ailment service. Um, but I, I think probably, you know, it, it's probably came to. Um, time to have a, a revisit what that looks like and and you know we've probably spent the, the best part of two years to 18 months with Scottish government kind of thinking about what needs to happen next and um, part of of course our vision and 
the, the vision of our chief pharmaceutical officer to achieving excellence means that we're looking to increase access to community pharmacy services and I suppose reposition it within the wider primary care team. So NHS Pharmacy First looks to do that by um, opening access to the whole population. Um, it also looks to reposition it, and this might be where my, my only um, the only bit of feedback we get from pharmacy teams around masses, and in some instances, in some pharmacies, it can be viewed by some of the public as being a, a more a free medicine service. So we're looking to reposition with the whole population NHS Pharmacy First as as a you know a free NHS consultation service. So the consultations from the pharmacy team and the pharmacist are are, are valued, are recorded. Uh, you know, and the referrals as well are, are, are recorded, so that actually we get this much, um, I suppose, deeper understanding of what's going on in the pharmacy in terms of the data that we're maybe capturing, and and you know we get recognition for actually, actually what we're doing, yeah, and you know what we're doing as part of the primary care team. So I, I think it's uh, it's it is a new, completely new service. I think the culture for the the public and uh, pharmacy teams is going to need to change. So in the public side of things, I think. You know, going into a pharmacy and potentially the first thing you've been asked now is what's your name, address, uh, for example, and you know that being recorded before you do anything in terms of healthcare consultation. And then on the the pharmacy side of things, it's like how do we go about capturing this data? How do we how do we engage patients with this new service? So I think in both sides, there's there's going to be need to be a, a you know an element of um, change that, that has to happen in terms of the culture and, and what's required to meet um, the aspirations of the the, the new service. Mm -hmm. I think I think the recording of data is really really interesting and and I think that will shine, obviously will shine a light. I mean, you know, my experience personally in working in general practice has been quite eye opening. Um, obviously, you, you know you. You, you can't move a muscle without recording everything in the patient record in when you work in general practice uh, as any healthcare professional, doctor, pharmacist, nurse, healthcare assistant, anything, anyone. So mm -hmm. the interesting thing about that is is the ability to then audit that data. And of course the data is only as good as the input. So if it's if it's rubbish going in, then it, you know your your audits are not going to be of good quality. But right. but the the fact that we've had I know there's the CMS, right, and and there's there's various bits and bobs, but we've more or less been flying blind so far, and I, I think it's going to be amazing to see, first and foremost, the volume of unrecorded consultations that community pharmacists do. Do you not think so? Without a doubt, uh, Jonathan, I think that will be it will be fascinating to to see how, you know, when the teams get into the way of recording and everything, hopefully. And the, the way the service envisages it, I think it would be fascinating to see, you know, as you say, that kind of untapped or unrecorded work that that, that we do, you know, that we're, we're going to get recognised uh, for. I mean, you do mention, of course, GP practice, and you know, we, we you know, we're up and down the UK, you know, we we hear, you know, the the GP workforce uh, is under pressure, and I suppose this is part of the reason and is to shift the balance of care. You know, a phrase that's well worn in policy circles, and you'll know well, Jonathan, but you know, genuinely shifting the balance of care and shifting patient uh, mindsets to think pharmacy first so that, you know, our, our, um, other primary care colleagues can 
can do what they do best and, and we can do what, what we do best as well and, and be mm-hmm. recognised for it. So, yeah, it's it's yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what actually comes through in terms of the data. And that will, of course, inform the service, you know, going on. So, you know, not just in terms of the, the financial side of the pharmacy first service, but in terms of, you know, when we're adding in new, um, you know, aspects to the service in terms of PGDs, uh, beyond the, the initial uh, UTI and impetigo, you know, so uh, the data will will be fascinating to to get a handle on on uh, how the service is developing. Of course, that is of great interest to the, the cabinet secretary for health and sport, um, mm-hmm. currently Jean Freeman, who you know will rightly want to to know what um, they're getting for their investment in the service. So that, that we're already discussing with Scottish government around, you know. Although we're capturing the data, you know what what metrics are we going to use to try and illustrate the, you know, the impact that the services having? Um, as Scottish government will quite rightly look uh, for that demonstration of change and and positive impact for the public. Mm-hmm. I know it's early days, and the like. I don't know. I'm a have a go journalist, I suppose these days. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I am. <laughs> But but the, the 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 traditional journalist question, I suppose, would be to delve into the money and you know, because the the the, the cynics cynics out there will be like, oh, how can we how can we fund this and all that stuff? But I'm I'm not going to ask about that because um, it looks like from early indications that 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 the money is going to come. And actually, my reading of of the Community Pharmacy Scotland communications is that if you engage, which is clearly happening. And if you are receptive to the change, then you know the money will follow. There's, it, would, would yeah. it be fair to say that that the early adopters would be rewarded potentially? Yeah, I, I think so, Jonathan. That's certainly. Um, I, I suppose what we're trying to do in year one is is set the, the kind of different payment payment parameters at a level that you know maybe allows gives a bit of comfort to the network in terms of the. So they're not going to see massive drops in, for example, their current minor ailment service uh, income. So that actually gives them time to adapt to the new service and, and embed it into practice. And once we capture that data as we go through quite early on in the service, we can look at the levels of activity and then adapt the the payment models to um, really support those pharmacy teams that truly engage in the service. So I think, you know, engaging in the service from the outset is the right thing to do. Um, uh, you know, we're looking to drive those behaviours and, and eventually, you know, that, uh, you know, later on in year one or certainly year two onwards, you will be rewarded for uh, engaging uh, appropriately with, um, you know, the public that are, are, are accessing the service. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, fair enough, like, I, I get, you know, want to concentrate on the money, Jonathan, but you mentioned that a point around, you know, engagement and, you know, partnership with, um, I suppose, the the, pha- the pharmacy network in general. And that we would like to think because our membership resides within that network that actually we, we, we are good at that. And um, that, that's one thing. But I think, to be fair, the, the partnership that we have with Scottish Government and, you know, the, the Rosemary and her team, um, you know, along at St Andrew's House, is is probably very been hugely important in this as well because um you know that that you know rosemary obviously has achieved an excellence she sees community pharmacy as an important aspect of that and they've been you know hugely um 
I suppose, supportive of the, the messages that we've given over the last few years around how we think it can develop. And they've, uh, broadly, if it hadn't been for that partnership, I don't think we'd be here now either. So I think that has to be recognised, to be fair as well. Yeah, but I, I, I see, like I see, again, you're probably collectively too modest to say it in Community Pharmacy Scotland, but I see great leadership within that organisation. So, you know, I think back to things like, I mean, you are a contractor representative body. So, you know, yeah. you, 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 but there is a but. You're, you're, you're actually driving professional, um, you know, well, you're driving the profession of pharmacy forward in Scotland, really. I mean, I'm thinking back to the uh, Harry's, um, you know, the partnership thing you did with Strathclyde University. I know RPS are now doing it, but for two yeah. years, you guys did that. And I thought that was a tremendous uh, initiative. You know, what other contractor mm. body gets involved in, in research? And now you're, you know, you're, you mentioned partnership with Rosemary and, and Scottish government and that, but that's a two-way thing. You know, you've managed to engage and encourage the network to come with you as well, which I think is a real, you know, it's a two-way street um, and yeah. it's a real good news story, actually. Yeah, we do realise as well, you know, that the pharmacies up and down the UK, you know, are not, you know, they're not quiet places. They're, they're busy, vibrant working environments. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I still practice, um, every month myself so uh, I get a taste for, for what it's still like uh, out there on the front line but yeah so we understand the challenges but yeah I think we have to set community pharmacy on the, the kind of right path and I think NHS pharmacy first and we can go on to this maybe a bit later if you want but in terms of I, I think it's just the first plank and you know it's, it's kind of why I came to community pharmacy Scotland in the first place and you know these types of services and, and what we're, we're, we're kind of planning hopefully in the near future as well around, um, you know, opening up IP prescribing to be not just maybe the exception, but actually this is the first plank NHS pharmacy wasn't set up as the norm. You know, you'd want to have a prescriber in your pharmacy dealing with common clinical conditions. So, um, you know, hopefully, and, and you know, I'm certainly happy to come back to that, Jonathan. But yeah, yeah, so we, we realise actually it's, it's a two-way thing as well. It's a great thing for the profession. I completely agree with you. I, I, I'm, I'm excited by it personally myself. But as well, it's 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 given that the contractor uh, network, that USP to say, you can't take this away. This is going to be too valuable in future years. So you're talking about five, ten years. Uh, you know, we, we're going to cement our place actually in, in you know, the, the communities of Scotland in terms of, you know, through the services we provide and, you know, that USP that, that we'll hopefully create, in fact, hopefully is the wrong word to use, we will create in Scotland, is, is going to actually mean that uh, community pharmacy is, uh, is here to stay, you know, for the long term. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. And, and um, I think, I mean, I'll always say that the, the value proposition has always been there in community pharmacy. It's just, uh, yes, yes. it's just you guys have, I, in my view, sort of helped to maybe not. Well, you have. You've packaged it into pharmacy first, and also the like we've discussed. The key bit is recording it, isn't it? And then, and then you've got evidence and data around around the the outcomes, and that you know that's just completely potent. Um, so, mm -hmm. but just to go back to like a patient level, so I'm I'm interested in how the thing's actually going to work. So. Patient, you know, you can you can. I'm I'm going to sort of 
talk you through it and then you can correct me if I'm wrong and then we'll get on to the exciting <laughs> stuff which I wanted to leave to last because that is like the prescribing side is just you've opened the door to all that which is just it's just magic to be honest so you've got patient comes in presents off the street name address chi mm -hmm. number engages the service um yeah you, you gain the proper consent and that's recorded on a on a on a platform i take it will you use the pcr for that um but the universal claim framework um actually jonathan so the same infrastructure okay. we essentially use at the minute um but yeah there'll be the ucf will be the the electronic platform that's that's used to to record and of course, um, but there's no need for there'll be no need for signatures, uh, etc. For the the patient, it's it's um, you know obviously if you're doing a PGD, there might be requirements to to let the GP know as as we do at the minute. So yeah, the same infrastructure that we use through the universal claim framework will be the infrastructure that underpins the recording of the 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 data and the, the payments for pharmacies and you know for, for patients as well. Now for you, here's a here's a controversial one, right? So for years, yeah. our our wonderful GP colleagues, um, who we work in harmonious partnership with, of course, um, indeed, tongue in cheek there. Um, they, not, not me, not me, Jonathan. No, no, not me. No, that's I can say that. I can I can do it alike. <laughs> uh, um, don't let me put words into your mouth. But anyway, no. The serious point is. So, so for years we've been lobbying for. When I say we, I mean pharmacy and commas, We've been lobbying for record access. And to be fair, mm. particularly, I mean, Alec McKinnon is retiring this week, but he's done an awful lot of yeah. work on this. Oh, definitely, definitely. To his credit, he's been banging on about it for years. So, but what, what one point around that, right? So that the, our GP colleagues have not as yet routinely shared that data with us um, by that data yes. i mean the patient information now here's the thing we're about to and i say we i mean pharmacy and community we're about to start gathering data and building up a, a picture about the population of scotland um in terms of that population that access community pharmacy so will we be selling that back to them that's well. It, it will be available. Um, you know, it's, it's it's going to be NHS data. So you know, I'm sure um, National Services Scotland will will host that, and it will be available for um, you know routine access throughout the health service. So I don't think we'll necessarily. Well, we certainly won't have the the power, I suppose, to sell it. But yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's hopefully it will be um, you know a powerful indicator and a powerful. Um, source of uh you know in conversations with you know any of our healthcare partners to be fair there are things that you know we, we could probably build on top of the system in terms of um you know we're talking about referrals from pharmacy you know out to other services you know if we're interconnected in the world as we should be you know i should be able to refer electronically to my optometry colleagues in, uh, in the community, dentistry, GP, whoever that may be. So I suppose if we can get an iterative process and, you know, the, the, the platform around access and records may be that in time, because um, I know we're certainly discussing with, um, you know, the appropriate stakeholders uh, at Scottish Government with regards to 365 access. And when I say 365 mm -hmm. access, I'm obviously 
um, talking about um, you know not just the, the suite of three six five um, powerpoints etc. You know that that is I think that will be the ones for Scotland platform that will provide the security and authentication for record access um, universally when when we get there. But um, you know within that I think we could probably build. And I'm no expert, but you know, you, you would look to build upon the data that we're gathering now, and then get you know refine it and and you know build on it in time as well. It's just it's an interesting dynamic because we've we've you know in community pharmacy we've never really had information to share back. Um, I mean, we've mm. we've always sort of phone you know we would phone the GP and and highlight interactions or highlight things that. That, that you were concerned about, maybe particularly around, like I'm thinking of the the uh, substance misuse services. I mean, the yeah. the, the, informa the information and feedback that community pharmacists across Scotland give to GPs around that is so valuable um, mm -hmm. in terms of caring for those patients. So it's just, I suppose it was the sort of, I don't know, the businessman in me was sort of thinking, sell back is the wrong word, but it, it, I wondered if it could be like a bargaining chip, you know, because, I mean, if we're, mm -hmm. the logical sort of extrapolation of that conversation is then, well, if community pharmacies start doing stuff that meets certain elements of the GP contract, then, well, and this is something I can say that maybe you can't, well, maybe we should have a shout at pitching for that money because the government won't want to pay for it twice. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, quite possibly. I, I think it's it's just about, you know, where that sits and if it's appropriate. And We have been um, talking as well with uh, the Digital Health Institute, uh, who are a government-funded organisation that looks at um, digital solutions for service providers within the NHS and, and things like that. So we're, we're, we're at early stages of talking to them about, um, you know, what type of areas can we can we get into um, to to embrace the kind of digital future that's in healthcare? So um, yeah, so I I, th I think there's a number of areas that that we can look at, but uh, I would agree as a, as a paymaster within the NHS, you don't want to pay for the same thing twice in general. But um, I'm sure you know even if we look at vaccination, for example, we know that that's commonplace of flu, for example, and in England and, and Wales, and you know, we probably uh, are entering into. We've well, had two pilots in Scotland and two of the biggest health boards, so um, we know that's part of the, the GMS changes in terms of the vaccine transformation program. But you know, vaccination delivery through pharmacy is is something I think we can do. Is it something that we would do all over the country? Well, yes, possibly, but of course there will be areas and. And remote and rural areas where GP practices would want to maintain that, and you know, there's, there's I think as long as we're working in partnership, and I know speaking to colleagues elsewhere in the UK, that's been a source of um, some conflict, possibly and frustration between GP and pharmacy partners. But you know, hopefully, we'd look to take it in a way that was constructive, and uh, you know, whatever area it was, and and see, you know, well, we can we can think about doing it a different way, or you know, we can help you in this way rather than rather than necessarily being a competitive element. Yeah, no, and and I, I, yeah, I've probably sort of steered you down that path to, because <laughs> those those are the those are the interesting uh, conversations that, and and kind of interplay that 
behind the scenes that no doubt you guys see that the rest of us don't. So thanks for that, Matt. So um, right. So onwards, a couple other things we need to cover. What what effect on the community pharmacy workforce do you think Pharmacy First will have? Uh, the effect on the workforce, I, hopefully, I mean, I think it's a, it's a whole team approach that's acquired within the pharmacy. So, I mean, the feedback we're getting from, you know, pharmacy team members, not just pharmacists that are um, coming to the roadshows is that they're, they're enthused by it. Um, I think hopefully the effect will be a, a galvanising one in terms of, you know, this is a new service, this is, this, there's a different way to do it. You know, I've, I've worked in some pharmacies as a locum where, you know, the, the minor ailment service is embraced and others where it's, you know, it's, it's an element of there's the feeling of the minor ailment police in terms of the service. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's and I, 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 hopefully the NHS pharmacy first, you know, we're starting um, from a new starting point, new service. And I think, um, you know, it gives us the opportunity to, to sort of reset the, the, the team expectations, get the whole team behind it. And actually, as, as well as the pharmacists, you know, the, the, the input from, you know, the, the trained counter staff, the, you know, the experienced technicians and dispensing staff, all that experience can be captured as well now. You know, the, the valuable advice that they give, um, as well as the, you know, the, the, the advice that the, the, the pharmacists can give will now be recognised or can be recognised. So it's, it, it, I think it's it, it's probably something that's it's been overdue in terms of recognising the wider team as well. So, um, yeah, I would like to think it's, it's, a, it's a positive thing for, for pharmacy teams. There may be concerns around workload and, you know, when you say it's available to the whole population sometimes, you know that we thought we would maybe have a few more questions around that, but there will be aspects to it of such as a, an approved list of medicines, so we can no longer, you know, give every P and GSL licensed medicine that, as we could in, in the minor ailment service. And it, from the pilot work that was done in Inverclyde, although the the you know although it was slightly different because it was still the exemption criteria and stuff then. Uh, the workload was manageable for the pharmacy teams. You know, it wasn't as if it was, you know, suddenly unmanageable. Um, so, uh, uh, and I think maybe working in a different way, and this is all part of the challenge for individual teams, is how do they, how are they going to approach the service? But yeah, I think um, I, th I think it's generally going to be a positive thing. The con I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down a path again. So sorry about that. Just just. just <laughs> Tell me to bugger off if, if necessary. Um, but um, I'm always I'm always keen to have like the you know the the like in a family you know the difficult conversations right. So mm -hmm. if unless you we've all been living under a rock, there is workforce pressure in Scotland and in pharmacy. Indeed. Yeah, there is. Um, and I think particularly that is quite acute in community now. One of the one of the things that I wondered was, you know, to what degree do you think or do you see the the sort of career pathway opening up in community pharmacy? And and do you see that as a you know, like a trade-off for contractors? So in other words, do you need contractors to come with you and invest in their in their young pharmacists so that they can go on and 
do all these things that we're about to talk about, you know, the independent prescribing, mm-hmm. uh, the, all these sort of sexy pharmacy. I'm reluctant to say pharmacy first plus because it is just it's going to be pharmacy first. Um, but but mm-hmm. every you know, is it is it time to say every every pharmacy in Scotland should have an independent prescriber in it? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think certainly you mentioned five to, to ten years earlier, Jonathan. I think in ten years' time, I would like to think that that is the case. I think we have started conversations with uh, Scottish government around what that might look like. We have two cohorts of, um, I suppose, the community pharmacy uh, independent prescribing cohorts that were started last year. One in Strathclyde and one in Robert Gordon University. So we've got the, those guys coming out this year. We've got, as you, as you kind of maybe hinted at, we've, we've got a number of independent prescribers. And I'm actually one myself, although I don't, I don't practice obviously enough to, to really use the qualification. You know, we have a number of people out there in the community that, that maybe are IPs that maybe don't use it. So, so yeah, so we're, we're working with partners, uh, Scottish Government and, and other ones like, like Ness around, um, you know, what would a, a foundation programme look like in the community? So can could we, for example, guarantee um, a foundation place for people who decided to, um, to um, you know, make their first uh, ventures into the, the, the working world of community pharmacy and, and pharmacy practice, make it community pharmacy, and then at the end of those, uh, you know, two years foundation, you know, is there an IP place at the end of that that's guaranteed for them through the, the universities? And then beyond that, it's like, well, you know, we're looking at creating a, you know, a, an environment where financially contractors would be looking to have someone uh, as an IP in the pharmacy. So uh, whether that be, you know, an existing one or, or not. So we've got these cohorts coming out this year. We're looking to start looking at that in this year coming up. So what would a, a, a financial model look like and then, what would the a common clinical conditions uh, you know clinic look like in the pharmacy and it is right as you are right Jonathan that it's essentially pharmacy first and then beyond that we're looking at well what is the career pathway so if we get uh, you know the, the, these um, graduates who've done their pre-veg get them in the foundation program get them their IP after two years and then we've got a workforce that hopefully in 10 years time so and, and within that time, of course, anybody who's who's interested within the current workforce can get their IP qualification and anything else they need. Then we've actually got a system that encourages contractors to uh, invest in it. You know, we'll probably uh, enhance, although it's not a decision for me to make, but we'll enhance salaries for community pharmacists because they'd be leveling more for contractors within that. And then obviously you've, you've got the wider pharmacy team uh, there as well who may behind this, behind all that have to take on a bit more responsibility to, to keep the, the, the pharmacy showing the road, road type thing. So again, this is part of the exciting uh, kind of developments for me that, that we've potentially got an opportunity that's been presented at the minute where we can look at financially um, using some of the money we have in the system to do something different that will set up the community pharmacy network uh, for the future. And, you know, I suppose in the, the short to medium term, you would maybe have a two-tier system between, you know, a, a IPs and and um, non-IP pharm- pharmacies. But then, you know, you would strive and you would you would really push 
you know, certainly if I was a contractor, you'd be pushing to say, right, I want to, I want that to happen in my pharmacy for the benefits of my patients, for the benefits of my pharmacy team, for the benefits of my pharmacist. Um, you know, and, and then that, 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 that can only enhance what we're doing and then negate the need to, to have so many PGDs as well for through pharmacy first, because of course it would all be IP trained pharmacists. Well, PGDs were always, they were always just a, a stopgap idea, weren't they really? Um, yeah. So yeah, kind of, kind of means to an end in terms of, uh, and again, but it helps build up that skills base, and you know, um, it's those types of things, you know, those common clinical conditions. So we wouldn't be deviating hugely from, you know, the model of IPs can do what IPs want to do in terms of they want to do their, and I, I know this this one's close to your heart, Jonathan. Their asthma clinics, their, you know, substance misuse, anything that that maybe the, the individual health boards and themselves felt they could specialise in and support. I was wanting to ask you about, um, so one another thing I've learned from observing what happens in general practice and, and by our GP colleagues is, is the GP training practice concept. Could you ever envisage a time where contractors would possibly club together to, to create training practices in community pharmacy? Um, it's, it's not something I would I would rule out, Jonathan. If we can create an environment, not just with pre-registration and, and you know pharmacies in terms of you know people being accredited to to take on pre-regs, but if we can create an environment where um, we have a number of contractors who you know are looking to take on you know people through the foundation framework, uh, etc., then you can create this kind of training environment and this professional expectation that actually part of what we do in practice is we give back to, you know, through training of future generations or, you know, whatever. So it's, I, I, I wouldn't rule out that kind of concept. I, I must admit it's, it's it's something I'm aware of, but it's not something I've looked at, at in detail. So, but mm. yeah, um, if we can create that kind of, not, not contractualise that, but, you know, if you take on a, a, you know, a pharmacy contract and if you're a, you know, a pharmacy um or a pharmacist actually you know we, we should have a you know a, almost an obligation to kind of look at you know how can we um support the, the system whether it's mm -hmm. for me specifically or you know the wider system in general so i, I don't i don't see uh, why we can't look at something like that and do you see i mean one of the, another thing with the with the independent prescribing thing it's it's really exciting and you know there you know, from a personal perspective, there's no professional feeling like it when you write your first script. Um, mine mm. wasn't very exciting; it was an aero chamber, but still, it was. <laughs> I was pretty buzzing on the on that afternoon that that happened. Um, but but since then, as I've gone sort of five years almost deep into prescribing actively um, in in a post exacerbation respiratory clinic, I've I've more recently had experience of. On the, running on the day clinics and general practice, uh, and also I had a wee early taste of prescribing in community pharmacy. Now I'm no expert prescriber compared to some of my very experienced GP colleagues, but mm -hmm. one thing that has occurred to me is that I've been on a journey along the the Dunning Kruger curve, and 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 you know as you go deeper into building your competence you realise just probably how much you don't know. What, yeah. what what steps or what 
what ways do you think we need to mitigate the risk of you know basically letting lots of independent prescribers loose in the community pharmacy network i think we have to i suppose we have to say i suppose manage expectations to degree i think you're i think you're right john you know there are risks in prescribing there's, there's no doubt there's, there's risks in practice day to day but it's if we can maybe set expectations about what's expected you know certainly in community pharmacy and you know that's that's, that's not to say it's, it's less clinical or less important it's, it's certainly not that i think you know to meet the aspirations of, of what we're looking for we're looking for a, a highly clinical workforce to, to support with um, common clinical conditions safely and effectively within the pharmacy so it's creating that kind of framework i suppose in that environment that that allows that to flourish so that actually people are confident with um you know i know again you've you've done this yourself through the, the clinical assessments and you know having those um basic clinical skills and then you know as you say the, the more you use it the more um mm -hmm. competent i suppose confident you become but equally you know you would stay within that 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 competence when I, as a professional you know I, I, you know i would like to think i would never step out of my competence as well but um mm -hmm. if that really answers your question but no it does it does it does yeah. it just i think like i've had a few um as i think every prescriber on their journey does have you've got a few hearts heart in the mouth moments you know i mean i'm thinking mm -hmm. of in practice we've i've picked up um pulmonary embolism on occasion um mm. various other severe things you know and 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 some sometimes you know it's it's sort of getting that what i'm trying to say is it it's it, it's all very good fun and great crack you know being able to sound a chest and being able to look at the throat and do the fever pain score and not you know and and recognize otita externa and otitis media but when that one in 200 or 300 pulmonary embolism comes along that's not really presenting in a very typical way will we spot it you know and i'll leave that i, mm. I won't i won't expect you to answer that but i'll leave that hanging one one thing again possibly slightly controversial that that i feel um is that we need to ensure that the people who are training our pharmacists have the required level of competence themselves. Yeah, and actually, yeah. actually, actually, I wonder, is there a case for for outsourcing that? Because again, if it, you know, I think put my business head on. If I was developing this service as a business, I, it would be right. Do we have the expertise in the, in the network? Yeah, and yeah. if we really look at ourselves. And I, I can say this because I've walked the walk. I'm not sure we do, um, but that's that's a not sure we do yet. Um, mm -hmm. And I want, I want yeah, to no. Keep, you know what I mean. I don't want to be negative because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm actually being no. positive in the way I'm saying it. I, I think I think I think you're right. I think we've obviously got a number of factors at, at play here in terms of, you know, the move from DMP to DPP, and mm -hmm. the, you know, in terms, I know I know RPS are taking that on in in behalf of the the GPHC. Um, to, to kind of look at that and you know are, are developing that, that kind of framework well develop that framework um for it so yeah we need to look at that but yeah, yeah right i mean i can think of you know you can think of sam you know in kilburn and you can think of jonathan and uh, in sterling you know and and you know leanne at bampton etc we're, we're having a, yourself we have a number of 
um, you know, very good, you know, and apologies if I've missed anybody there, and I'm sure there's loads, but, you know, we have a number of good prescribers out there who are, who are doing the kind of common clinical conditions thing. But, um, yeah, we, we undoubtedly, um, you know, need uh, more expertise, but I'll probably bow to the expertise of my colleagues at Ness about the best way to go about doing that, if I'm being honest, Jonathan. Absolutely, and and no 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 organisation better to to sort that out out for us. Um, cool, that has it's been very interesting. I wanted to touch briefly um, on the before we finish on the primary care inquiry in Scotland. So, how has it gone so far? Apart from your um, your box office appearance, of course. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was a highlight, certainly, Jonathan. You're right, but uh, I think, um, yeah, I think the primary care inquiries went um, it's, it's went well from a pharmacy perspective. But you know, we, we do. Um, I'm also fortunate to be in the, and I need to need to make sure to get this right. The primary care clinical professions uh, group, as as well. So uh, you know, myself and, and Harry have been in the past, and. Uh, you know, our colleagues from RPS are there as well, and we we are we are very fortunate to be meeting with colleagues from other um, you know professional groups. So I've learned I've learned so much more actually about what uh, many of our allied health professional colleagues do, for example. And you know, we've got optometry colleagues, we've got the BMA, we've got the RCGP, we've got the RCN. Um, you know, we've got the, the you know another few groups as well. So. I think we were actually quite connected, and that, the purpose of that group is really to come together to um, bring a voice to areas of commonality. So we've talked about access to records, we've had workforce, um, we've had other areas that, that we've kind of looked at as a group. So I, I think that was set up well before this current inquiry, and I think what this inquiry has allowed us to do is it's allowed us to, I suppose, shout about our own individual professional interests and professional groups. And there's no doubt that's been that's been useful, but it's also allowed, and a common thread through all the evidence and written and oral is, you know, the need for joined up IT, the need for um, you know referral pathways which are joined up, which I alluded to earlier with regards to even how pharmacy first may develop, and you know just that I suppose in many ways. Um, from every healthcare professional group, although we have our own individual interests and our individual stakeholders to to put forward, and I think there is a a positivity in Scotland about which each individual stakeholder can bring to the table. I mean, we're the third biggest profession that's that's represented there behind nursing and and, and the medical profession, but it's um you know that. Uh, Often, I think it's a partnership of of, of equals. Uh, actually, at that particular table, I, I think that's that's came through quite strongly at the primary care uh, inquiry. Occasionally, and this is language that, in, in in terms of policy and in terms of government speak, when you say primary care, you think doctors. And hopefully, yeah. this has done a bit to to say, yeah, doctors are fundamental. They're you know clinical leaders within their, their own areas, but actually. We need to think a bit wider. This this is this whole primary care team concept, and that's before you even start talking about the, the invaluable kind of services that kind of third sector and you know social care providers do. You know, and, you know, working in a pharmacy previously, Jonathan, the you know the, the unpaid carers, the social carers, the 
you know, yeah. many many patients couldn't actually, um, you know, survive without without the, the input of these guys. So that's um, so yeah. There's the healthcare aspect to it, and there's the primary care team, and then I suppose it's the wider thing. And it'll be really interesting when the actual report comes out as to see where the the health and sport committee and the, the government think um, it's uh, it needs to go. Did you find any of the questions from the MSPs surprising? Um, if I'm being honest, probably not. Mm. Um, I think a lot of the issues are probably um, well known. I'm trying to remember back to that to uh, hearing now. If I'm being honest, but you know things like IT. I know you know that one of the MSPs is, is very big in data and IT, and that, that undoubtedly came up. Um, referral pathways. All, all the things I've actually mentioned were roughly yeah. for what came out. So um, whether I'm thinking there's going to be any massive leaps of of uh, you know new input into that, I'm not so sure. But it, it all seemed like you know the the inquiry was following a kind of common sense narrative and a common sense approach. So mm -hmm. you know, it just um, just I, I suppose the only thing I, I think you know it was a primary care inquiry and the exclusion of the social care sector. While I understand. You know, they the largely were there, and with health and social care integration, um, it's probably something that we need to think more about. If I'm being That's honest, a good point, about that. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I, I um, thoroughly enjoyed listening to every bit of it. So uh, it was just uh, very exciting. No, it was. I'm, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but. Um, it was I know you was, like all that. I know you like all that, John. Well, I'll secretly, <laughs> do, secretly do. I was narrowing my headphones late at night one day. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I think um, it's interesting that I hadn't thought of the bit about you know pharmacy seat at the table. That's that's quite mm. an interesting observation actually. Um, the other thing that I that struck me was was basically the number of times um, Rosemary Parr said data. I mean, she must have said it about twenty yeah. times, and I couldn't agree more with her. Really, I mean, she's yeah. she really is. Um, she's really in the right spot, you know. And um, she, I think she no, can, she, she, right. continues to, she, can, she continues to get it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's 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 it is actually it's it's true, and you know, I've talked a bit about data earlier myself in terms of pharmacy first, but we have the formation. Um, of you know public health Scotland, so and we keep hearing that Scotland is the ideal size to to capture data and to have you know longitudinal studies on on you know what um, you know the impacts of certain things on populations in terms of health and social care. But I'm not sure we've we've got we've got got that yet in terms of how we we use that 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 data to to inform service provision and. And um, you know, develop services for patients. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see why she said it, and yeah, I completely agree mm -hmm. with her on, on that front. Right. Um, let's draw this to a close because the last the last time I interviewed you, it was uh, as we were discussing beforehand. It was supposed to be a five minutes <laughs> with interview, and it, we had to do a two, <laughs> had to do a two parter, and we're rapidly veering towards that territory. To be honest, oh, with you. I'm not I'm not offended if you cut me off, Jonathan. Not offended. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I might have to get my editing knife out here. Never mind. Um, <laughs> no, um, no. Just to finish, this is this is something. I mean, I'm sure you've listened to some of the other podcasts. So, one one of the questions I, I really enjoy asking is, um, and it's a good one to finish on, is basically what what is your advice for the next generation of pharmacists coming onto the register? <laughs> um. Well, um, my advice is, um, I suppose, well, you, you've chosen a great profession. I actually said this to um, some first years. I was doing a presentation on just before Christmas. I said, you've, you've chosen a great profession to come into. I think it's, uh, and I, I will, I'll maybe always have a bias towards community pharmacy, but that, that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the roles of, you know, secondary care, uh, other primary care colleagues, because, you know, I, I did say to, to those guys that I was presenting for, you know, the new primary care roles, I can I can see what you know why they're, they're attractive in terms of you, you know the patient facing opportunities that they should bring. So I, I get that as well. But you know if I can just come back to community pharmacy, I, I would say you know community pharmacy is entering a very exciting time, and I think it's a, a good time in Scotland to be getting uh, involved in community pharmacy and practicing in community pharmacy. So for anybody who was thinking about it as a as a profession, I'd say. Yeah, go for it. Anybody that's currently going through their undergraduate, I says, you know, as I said, as I said to the guys of the month, yeah, great time. A lot happening in the profession in Scotland and and elsewhere in the UK. And um, yeah, just grab it with both hands. And actually, you never know. You could become the director of operations at Community Pharmacy Scotland or something in the future years. I never thought I would have been here fifteen years ago. But there's a lot of opportunities out there. So just take them. Yeah. Stranger things have happened, but. <laughs> Some very strange things have happened, Jonathan. You're right. <laughs> no, you you absolutely deserve that position. There's there's no no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's a great place to finish. And um, I just 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 wanted to say thank you so much for um, for engaging and um, yeah, just just presenting. To be honest, I know we we talked about some tricky issues there, but like presenting such a positive. Um, uh, outlook on community pharmacy in Scotland. It's 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 uplifting. Um, you know, we talked about the difficult workforce issues, but but you know there is an answer. There's a way out. Mm-hmm. So um, yep. on on we go with um, with hope and hard work. Really, you know. And uh, thanks very much, Matt. I wish you all the best. No, thanks, thanks, Jonathan. Have a nice weekend.